to start, I, I typically do series teachings on Wednesday nights, Principles for Life. Uh, I don't do a lot of series teaching on Sundays, but I am going to do a two-week series starting today, ending next week. And uh, this is on a very, very important topic that I really just gave you a brief synopsis on right now. The Old Testament is not a standalone book. It's not like you have Old Testament and then New Testament. A lot of times today people think, well, that's in the Old Testament. I don't have to follow that anymore, which I don't know where you get that because you should come on Wednesday nights too because that's, we're looking at the Ten Commandments, which is an Old Testament concept, so to speak. But it absolutely flows into the New Testament. There's a reason why theologians will say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So when reading and studying the Bible, it's important to understand the fullness and the way that the Old Testament and the New Testament are, are interwoven. Because even the prophecies about the, uh, the, the blood and the lamb, I mean, Jesus fulfills that, which is beautiful. We can celebrate that New Testament. But when you look back and see the, the, all the prophetic words about that coming, it's just incredible the way Scripture flows together. But one of these topics that's interwoven in the two Testaments is the topic of water baptism. Okay, and at first glance, many people think water baptism is just a New Testament concept. However, upon further study, people like Peter and Paul make direct connections between New Testament water baptism and Old Testament events. And when they do, they reveal each uh, deeper themes of God's plan between the two Testaments. And so today I want to begin this two-week series, and I want to look at two things. This week, we're looking at uh, this the way Peter connects the Old Testament flood and the way Paul connects the Israelite exodus from Egypt. So it'll be a little bit of teaching, but when you understand this, there is absolutely a personal application that you can take right here today. So pray with me as we go into this series, week one, Saved Through Water. Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful for you, for what we feel, for being able to come into a facility together, free, and just united today to be able to raise our voice, lift our hands, to celebrate the fact that you shed blood that can still atone and cover and wash away sins today. God, let us never, ever take that for granted, because without your blood, we are hopeless. But with your blood, we have hope. And so thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. In the Old Testament, God tells a man named Noah to build an ark, to build a boat for the saving of his family. And Noah builds a large boat, 450 feet long to be specific, builds a large boat, and then God destroys the earth with a flood, a worldwide flood. And thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul, or Apostle Peter, I'm sorry, references this. And look what he says in 1 Peter 3.20. He says, those who disobeyed God long ago... When God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism. This is not, you're sitting in a Pentecostal church, okay? So we believe in a water baptism in Jesus' name by immersion. But this is not a, a Pentecostal thing. This is not a denomination. This is the Apostle Peter who is making this inference. He's saying, hey, I'm talking about something that happened thousands of years ago, and I'm specifically talking about Noah and the boat and, and the worldwide flood, and he says, and that water points to baptism. 
which now saves you. So some churches will say baptism is not a salvation issue. It's where you just kind of, it's an outward sign of an inward faith, kind of like joining the church. But I would argue based on scripture, that's not the case because he's saying, Peter says, baptism is a salvation issue. Right? I mean, there it is in Scripture. It doth save you. It's not removing dirt from your body. It's not like taking a shower, even though, even though that is of God, I want you to know. <laughs> but as a response to God from a clean conscience, it is effective not because of holy water. This water comes from Liberty Tap, so it's hard water, and we don't have water softener, and it might itch your skin, okay? It ain't nothing about the, the water, but it's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus died and shed the blood but never resurrected from the grave, his, his blood is not powerful. But when he resurrected from the grave, he defeated death and sin and hell and the grave itself. And so for us to comprehend this flood and how it relates to New Testament water baptism, we must first consider the name Noah. All right? Noah was the great-grandson of the raptured Enoch, who was the grandson of the oldest man who ever lived. Methuselah was 969 years old. Now, the name Noah is translated from Hebrew, the word meaning rest, rest. And as I've said so many times in this pulpit, a person's name in the Bible was much more than just choosing a name out of a book. A person's name was their identity. It would reflect their purpose in their life. And so in Noah's case, this would also be the case. You see, Noah would bring comfort or rest to humankind. We don't necessarily think of it that way, do we? Noah bringing comfort and rest to humankind because he was the guy who lived at a time of a worldwide flood that killed everyone in the world except for him and seven other people. So you don't really think like Noah, oh yeah, that's a, that's a rest for humankind. That's comfort for humankind. Sounds more like the grim reaper to me than it does to rest. But look at what scripture says in Genesis 5, 28. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. Because the ground was cursed when Adam and Eve sinned, and the ground was cursed. So he's still, they're still looking for relief from the curse that sin brought into the world. And for the rest of the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, people, humanity, is, they're looking for relief. Adam and Eve sinned. Sin has entered the world. There's all these curses we're dealing with. And I want some relief from this curse. And so... The next chapter continues to shed light on that time. Genesis 6, 5, it says, God saw the wickedness of man. It was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It had gone downhill really far, really fast. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. That's, that's pretty big words. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. He begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God didn't have to tell Noah that he was going to do this. That's grace. But before conveying how the flood relates to water baptism, it is beneficial first to take a moment to understand repentance. What is the meaning of the word repent? Well, the word repent comes from the Greek word metaneo, which is a a change of mind, a a change of course, change of direction. So it's a 180. It's an about face. It's, It's changing my current path to start going a different way. And here is the passage. It's interesting as we read this passage because Scripture tells us God repented. That's kind of strange because Why would God repent? God is going to go a different direction, not because he made a mistake, not because he sinned, he messed up. God does not sin, he does not fail, he does not falter, but why did he repent? But it was because he was going to teach humanity something about the concept of repentance that even we still apply thousands of years later sitting here in 2022. When God repents, He destroys the very thing that he repented of. Scripturally, Genesis 6, it says, It repented the Lord that God repented, grieved him at his heart. And then 7.4 says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, 40 days, 40 nights. Every living thing, every substance that I have made, I will destroy from off the face of this earth. Now, the Hebrew word translated here, repents of, is also translated abolished, blots out, put out, or wipe. So, thus the concept of repentance and destruction go hand in hand. Now, not necessarily that you, the person being destroyed, but the thing that we are repenting of, God says, I'm gonna, when I repent, I'm going to blot out, I'm going to wipe, I'm going to put out, I'm going to destroy that which I have repented of. So as, as we look at this example of what God has done, guess what? When we bring something to the Lord to repent of it, that thing should be wiped, abolished, blotted out, destroyed from our life. Because too often we are repenting of things that we allow to stick around. What happens if God says, I'm going to repent of this, but I'm just going to let the sin continue? What does humanity look like? What does the world look like? He says, no, 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 Noah's going to bring rest to the world because there's going to be a fresh start. And there's going to be a concept that I'm introducing here way back in the Old Testament that when I repent of something, it is wiped clean. And we look, and he calls in the New Testament, you need to repent of something. Well, too often, we come into a a great church service, a great youth service, a night service, a conference that just took place. We approach altars, shed tears, worship, make promises to God. And we, it, those things are easy in a church setting. But when we leave, I preached this message once, we're forgiven but not free. Because it's we're repenting of things that we're allowing to live on in our lives. So we come to an altar, we say, Lord, I repent, I give this to you. But then we, we really, at times, we don't have any intention of leaving here and changing anything about our lives. 
Now, God, absolutely, he's the one that washes away sin, and he's the one that forgives us. He's the one that shed the blood. But he's also the one who empowers us to make choices in our lives. And so if I come and repent of something and then leave and just pick it back up, I didn't really repent. I allowed something to live that should have died. And when God, he, what he does here in the Old Testament is he sets the standard for what he expects in New Testament living. Paul addresses this in Romans 6. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of this wonderful grace? He says, of course not. Since we've died to sin, because anytime there is repentance, there's a dying out. There's a death. Something should be destroyed. And he says, he says, how can we continue to live in something we've died to? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ and Jesus and baptism, we joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried by Christ with baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we just sang about it, now we can also live that new life. Since we've been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. We know, verse 6, that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Meaning, if I live in sin, it's because if you're sitting here going, God, just help me, just free me from this sin. It is a slap in the face to God because what do you think the cross did? It already set you free from sin. If you're living in sin, it's because you have checked yourself into that hotel. And since we died with Christ, we know we also will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. We don't have to, we don't need him to die again. It's done. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. In verse 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. We must be willing to destroy what we repent of in a spiritual way, not a literal way. Like if you're repenting of your neighbor that you don't like or your sibling that you don't like, don't kill them. But I'm saying that there's a spiritual application that when something is in your life and you're saying, I'm struggling with this, I need to say, this is not something I'm going to allow to live in my life when I leave this place. This is something that dies today. Otherwise, we become like Lot's wife who is called out of something and she looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. Or we become like the Israelites who get called out of bondage for 400, after 430 years and they, the first time they hit turmoil, they say, I want to go back to Egypt. This is a plague throughout humanity where we tend to say, I'm God's calling me out of something. But when something happens, my heart is still back there and so I want to try to go like this. But guess what? It's very difficult to get to where God's calling you to be when you're walking, looking back. Backwards. And so you have to say, all right, that part is dead. It's gone. I'm moving on to what God's calling me to do and be. This is a key component because as we talk about saved through water, before we discuss water baptism, if returning to sin is still an option after repentance, it will just be a matter of time before you go back. 
And only you know the difference of what I'm saying in your life. Because every one of us have prayed some type of prayer of repentance. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. I promise. God, help me. But if we know, I'm going to try my best not to do it. But the door, I'm not putting the deadbolt on. I'm still open to doing it again. Only you know that when you repent of something, you're like, it dies today. Because you will never be able to get to the places God's calling you in front of you if you're looking backward. And at this point, there's no need, there's no need to be water baptized and have sins washed away if the plan or intent is simply to come up out of the water, leave the building, and go return to what you just repented of. Hopefully nobody grabs a snippet from that message because they would hear, there's no need for water baptism, and they could run with that. Listen to the rest. If I'm jumping in the water, I'm just like, eh, I take it flippantly. Like, yeah, I'll join this church. What did I do? Jumped. I'll take, I'll take the dip in there. Cool, let's do it. You're just going in a dry center and coming out a wet one. Because it's not in the water. It's in the fact that God... You took on flesh. You died on a cross. You paid a price I was supposed to pay. I want to change. I'm living my life. Maybe I'm not even, oh, I'm not as bad as some people know, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. And the wages of sin are death because that's what's supposed to happen. But the grace of God says, I'm going to pay your price. And in that moment, I can say, God, I want to change. I want to change my direction. I want to leave. I want some of the things that I've been carrying, I want them to die at an altar today. And then I want to have those things washed away in the precious name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. This is why we, we talk about repentance, because this is why in the New Testament, John's first message in the New Testament was repentance. Jesus' first message was repentance. Peter's first message was repentance. Because they understood there's no, there's no need to go any further than this if there is not genuine repentance that comes first. So when scripture records the Old Testament story of Noah, there's a reason the Bible tells us God repented and then destroyed. This is his plan for our lives. Repent and destroy the things you're repenting of. Don't let them live. Don't let them stay. If it's lust, don't go back. If it's bitterness, leave it in an altar. If it's substances, hand them to somebody today or dump them out the car. Well, I don't know. That might be littering. But if it's adultery, end the relationship today and come clean. I mean... Right now, we can think of reasons why we can't do that, but they all have to do with flesh. God's calling us to leave some things behind and not go back, to walk away and not turn backward to see it again. And once we've repented, now we can have those things washed away at an altar it's like a big scar okay i had an open wound i gave that wound to the lord but now he wants to wash away the remnants to where no scar remains <laughs> you look at genesis 7 4 it says seven days we ready he says 40 days 40 nights i'm gonna i'm gonna it's gonna rain and then verse 11 it says when noah was 600 years old on the 17th day of the second month all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in a mighty torment, torrents uh, from the sky. And as a result of this, verse 21, all living things on the earth died, birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all people, everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. 
So here's what we clearly see from God at this point. Repentance, using water to wash away that which he repented of. God used water to wash away sin. We go to the Old Testament tabernacle. He did it then. And he still does the same thing today. We, where there's a dying out, that, that which we brought to him, say, I don't want to live this way anymore. It needs to die here. But now I want to wash away that thing that I repented of. And this is why Peter makes a direct correlation between Noah's Ark and the act of a worldwide flood. With water baptism in Jesus' name, 1 Peter 3.20, he says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So notice, Peter does not mince words. He says that those people, their salvation, their being saved, they were saved only by the water. And then he goes on, he says, the like figure whereunto, or just like that, let me make this connection, baptism doth also now save us. So I'm not building a 450-foot-long boat that is, had slime and pitch and how many stories in the window and all that. Lord, if I had to build that to save my family, my family would die. I wouldn't even know. I could build you a boat, but I ain't going to float, and it's not going to be watertight. I can promise you that. It'll be on YouTube. I've had some people work in my house that did my remodels on YouTube. <laughs> it don't work out well. Water goes everywhere. But he says, the like figure whereunto baptism Doth also, uh, he, he, it's not me. Peter's making the connection. I'm referencing this story back here. And it's more than a historical story. It's part of the plan of God. And just like he did back there, let me make this connection to where we are right here. And just like that, water saves us. Specifically, water baptism. It saves our souls today. He says, not the putting of the way of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Get this. When we talk about a worldwide flood, we tend to focus on death and destruction and judgment. I've heard some pretty intense messages preached on Noah's Ark. But when you read this passage from Peter, he focuses on salvation. And people who were and can be saved. Peter makes a direct connection between salvation and water baptism, just as he did in Acts chapter 2 when the New Testament church was initially born. He gets up and he preaches a message, talks all about Jesus and, and, and how we put him to death, and they, and they were pricked in their heart, 237 says. And so they said to Peter, what are we supposed to do with this at this point? In the Old Testament, it might have been build a boat. But in the New Testament, Peter clearly says, this is what you do with what I'm telling you. In 2.30, says, repent. First message, first, first word. And then be baptized. Well, how am I supposed to be baptized? There's all kinds. He clearly tells us, in the name of Jesus Christ. Because why would I be baptized in any other method when who's the one that shed the blood 
that paid for my salvation. It was Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, and then you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is a promise. It's not just a Noah's Ark thing. He says, let me, let me clarify. This is a promise for you and your children and even as many as the Lord our God will call, many that are far off. Why? Because it's still happening to this day, 2022. God's still hearing repentant hearts and voices. He's still washing away sins in the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. And the Old Testament flood figuratively performed the same function as New Testament water baptism. It saved Noah and his family, all eight of them, from their sinful world and washed away the sin. Just as Jesus came to save us from our sinful state and wash our way, our, 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 our family sin away, he just says, I've provided a way. Just like I provided a way for them. I say, here's, here's what my plan is. This is going to die. But if you want to live, got to go. The water's going to save you according to my plan. And today he looks at a people and he says, hey, death and destruction are imminent because the wages of sin are death. But I paid a price on Calvary. And the way that you can apply that blood to your doorpost and make sure that your family's covered in the blood is I provided water just like I did in the Old Testament. And back behind here, we have a baptismal tank where someone can say, I want to repent of my sins. And I want to go into that water and I want to have you say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, that, that's cancellation, removal, that, and go under the water. And we become a new creature in him, not because it's magical holy water, but because it's the answer of a good conscience of saying, God, I'm stepping into this knowing that this is part of your plan for my salvation. And I want that. You see, this was a message Jesus stepped on the scene, and I'll be, I'm almost finished, and said that should be preached everywhere. Luke 24, 47, it says, and that repentance and remission of sins. What is he talking about? Remission of sins. That is water baptism, repentance and remission of sins. That's why when I baptize somebody, I say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. This is all biblical language. This is not church tradition here. This is pulled right from scripture. And so sh that should be preached. He said, not just for you. This should, th this should be preached in his name among all the nations. Guess what that means? This needs to be preached in Argentina and Brazil. This needs to be preached in Peru. This needs to be preached in Russia, Ukraine. This needs to be preached in Canada. This needs to be preached all over the place. This, this is among all nations. He says, this is what needs to be preached. And so I'm thankful that in 2022, I get to step into this role and stand in this pulpit and keep the mission going that he's called us to keep going. And as I close, had the water not passed upon the sinful in Noah's day, the sin would have remained. And such is the case today. You can come to this altar today and you can repent of your sins But you know what? And, that, and, I, and I would argue, hey, that's forgiveness. God's going to say, I, I hear your prayer. 
I want to forgive your sins. But if you get up and walk out of here, you're carrying the remnant of what remained. I have people tell me sometimes, you know, that was an interesting message. I'm going to pray about being baptized. I think that we should pray about what job to take, where to live. I think we should pray about various things. We have a campaign. What do you want me to give, God? There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things to pray about. What you don't have to pray about. There's a couple things you absolutely never have to pray about. That's an interesting comment, preacher. There's a couple things. And that is when God speaks clearly in his word. You literally, there's nothing to pray about. Like, God... Lord, I just want to know, did you really create the world? You could, you could be getting, you could be cooking food, getting the house clean, running, filling the car with gas. You're wasting your time. He tells you, in the beginning, I created the heaven and the earth. So I don't need to pray, God, did you? I just need to hear, Lord. Just speak to me, God. He's like, uh... I just, I spoke to you like a lot. Just grab the book. So when you say, well, I just need to pray about whether or not I want to be baptized. Well, maybe about whether you want to be baptized. But I need to pray whether God wants me to be baptized. He already said many times, and I could go on and on. This, I, I don't have enough time just today. I'd love to teach a Bible so that we can go in depth in this. But he set up a plan that was not established in the New Testament. The principles for his New Testament plan were clearly established thousands of years earlier in the Old Testament. That's why we're reading the tabernacle. He says, put up a brazen laver. Those priests need to wash that they die not. Because water, it was either, it was either cleansing or killing. And for us, the water is here. And if we're going to go through if we want... The, we, if we want eternal survival, he says, it's part of my plan. I can't see it any more clearly. You might say, well, I just disagree with that. Well, that's fine. That's, you're entitled to that. But scripturally, he says over and over, got to wash that you die not. Well, then how do I do it? Peter said, he says, you repent. Get in the water. Get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And why do we baptize in this method? Well, Matthew 3.16 says Jesus came straightway up out of the water. The Messiah himself was baptized by immersion. Bible says that John, I think it was John 8, says John baptized at Aining because there was much water there. Why do you need much water? And so I want a Bible experience. And so if you're here today, you can repent of your sins. But water baptism is where those sins are washed away. When you go through the water, those things are washed away. How is that possible? Scripture told us, we read it, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot have complete salvation with just one component. That's why Peter didn't say one thing. He said, I'll tell you, you got to repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then he's going to put his spirit inside you. And he says, and this is a promise. It's not just for you. It's your family, your kids, grandkids, many of the Lord our God will call. He's still calling people. Matter of fact, he's using me right now to call people right now. 
today. And so today, I just want to open up this altar. You can stand to your feet. And I think there needs to be a sovereign move of God. And why is that? Because no matter if you've been baptized, not been baptized, we are a people who should walk in repentance. We are a people who say, you know what? God, I know that things still sneak in, things that maybe visibly someone can see or measure, but sometimes the things just get in my heart. God, help me to examine my heart again. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, purge me. Do you know when you get baptized in that name of Jesus, you never have to get re-baptized again because he says if we will just confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And guess what word he uses? And to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's a cleansing that takes place in water baptism. But how... I don't need to be rebaptized re because guess what? That name of Jesus has been called over me and I've been washed in the blood of Calvary. But when I just say, God, forgive me again, Lord, I need it. But if you have, if you're here and you're watching online, you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion, put into the water. I'm telling you, it's the biblical method and I would be honored. I would be honored on this early spring day in March for this to be a special date that you write down in your Bible or put in your calendar and say, that's the day that I repented of my sins. That's the day that I took on the name of Jesus and I said, I want to join a covenant relationship. God, I want, I, I don't, this is more than joining a church. No, this is me saying, I want to walk with you in a deeper level than I've ever walked with you before. God, I want your name called over me. I want those sins. I don't want the remnant of a past life. I want to have those sins washed away, not just forgiven, but washed away. I want to have a clean, fresh start. Today could be that day on this March day in early 20. 2022. Today could be a date that you walked in thinking it wasn't going to mean much to you today. But just by a simple decision, you can come to an altar and step into water. And you can have a fresh, clean start with the Lord and Savior who died on a cross and shed His blood for this very moment. I invite you right now to just begin to find a place to pray around this sanctuary. And this service is over, but I'll tell you what, God would love to wash someone's sins away in these waters today. Jesus, help us. God, speak to us and speak to our hearts right now.